Welcome to Sermon Notes. Uh, you got a little bit of a different crowd this morning. This is Dave, and I'm here with Clark. Good morning, Dave. Yep. Um, hey, real quick, I want to retell you guys why we're doing the Sermon Notes thing. What's, what's fun about our job is each Monday we get to get together and talk four weeks out and talk about passages, and I wish more than anything we could bring more people into that conversation on Mondays whenever we look four weeks out and talk each passage, because there's a lot of a lot of gold that happens with teachers as they're as y'all are planning your teachings and yeah it's kind of what this was for is to bring people into that conversation yeah um, you know we do a lot of personal study and i prep devotionally too just kind of letting it seep into my own heart and mind as well but some of my favorite times are when we're in community on monday mornings with uh, both men and women in the room and we're re- we read the text out loud and then we start asking questions and discuss context. Other teachers get to weigh in on big ideas. Um, yeah, it's really, really fun. It's really a cool time, and yeah, that's kind of what this is for—is to bring people into that. But before we begin, Clark, I got to ask you a question personally. Right. I don't think many of our listeners know this, but you are a tea connoisseur. Yes, I am. You love I tea. Where, I where did it come from? A little strong, is it? Yeah, I don't know, man. Not a big flavored tea person. Where does the like, Let's call it. Let's call it for this sake an obsession. Where does it come from? When did it start? Just give us a little bit. People need to know. This is not pe- why pe- they tuned in the people, sermon notes. People need to know where did it come from. When so did it start? Uh, years ago, Pam and I were overseas for a summer, and um, you know it was the summer. It was warm, but the locals were drinking hot tea um, throughout the day. And so, as I was in and out of appointments with different people. Um, that's what we were ordering. And so I actually enjoyed it. I've mm. had coffee twice in my life. Only and, twice? Yeah. And wow. So I've never been a coffee person. So that summer, because when you think of hot tea, you think winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, man, this is really good. And so I came back and uh, I just started drinking tea. And for the last 20 years, about every day I have a Two cups of hot tea. I love it. Black or green tea. So I'm privileged and honored to say that I've been a disciple of your tea drinking. So, well, so thank you. I anyway, know that the audience is yeah. better for this information. So. Yeah. Um, all right. We're here. Last week, Pope uh, ended chapter two and did an incredible job teaching it. He and really today did. we are, we're in chapter three, right? That's right. Versus what? One to 13. Verses 1 to 13. Well, why don't you start out by just giving us a little bit of overall context. What's going on in this uh, in this section of Scripture? Yeah, so we're still in the first three chapters, getting our mind and our hearts right theologically, um, related to identity, related to this thing called the mystery of Christ, um, this one new humanity. Um, you know, the first week I gave us four words to think on, um, sovereignty, identity, unity, and glory. Um, we learned in chapter two that um, that we were dead, but God. It's a great yeah. statement. Yep. Intervened, and he's created us for good works. And then uh, Brian began to unpack what that work looked like inside the church, at least. And God was bringing two peoples together into one new humanity, it says. And so in some ways, um, that's our setup for today and for our teaching this Sunday. But... Um, much of what we're going to look into um, in 3, 1 to 13 is it's kind of a part two, if you will. 
of what Brian discussed with us. And so we'll look at some of the implications of the mystery. What is it? Why is it important? How did Paul get it? Those kind of things. I so that's it. that's where we're at. I love it. And one of the things that we've talked about, it feels like the last couple of Mondays that we've talked about this, is how many um, different and um, how prevalent the identity phrases Paul uses in this section are. Yeah. Um, why don't you walk us through a little bit of some of those that stuck out and where we're going with it? Yeah. And so I'm not saying this is the point of the passage that we're going to be um, looking at and studying and, and teaching on <laughs> this week, but... As I was just making observations, I noted um, in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. If you go down to verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel. And then he makes this statement, uh, verse 8, although I am less than the least of all God's people. And it's just interesting that Paul seems incredibly secure in what he's not, who he's not, but who Jesus is. Yeah, absolutely. And as a prisoner, um, because of him preaching the gospel, um, he's a prisoner of Christ. And so um, everything about his condition and circumstance is rooted in his identity in Jesus. Um, The idea of servant of this gospel is rooted in a mission that Jesus gave him. And as he says, he's the less than least of the all, all of the Lord's people. Um, most of us try to kind of coach one another out of that kind of talking, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, somebody who struggles with identity quite a bit. Which I, feel I do. Like, I feel, well, I'm talking about myself, yeah. too. Like, these aren't words that I would... I would almost look at the words that you just said that he talks about and view those as like... I mean, people would say like negative self-talk. But Paul that's seems right. to be so rooted in the work of Jesus... That he's he can say that, right. but not view himself as the like it doesn't go to self pity or pride in a negative way. But he's rooted in who God says he is. He actually finds power in it. Um, he talks about just in other passages uh, for our listeners. You can note First Timothy uh, chapter one fifteen and sixteen. Um, he says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom. I am the worst. But for that very reason, and this is true of you and me too, Dave, um, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, he says, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Why? Because of what he did in the past. I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. And so um, I think there's a tension that we often feel between this idea of sinner and saint, um, both being true. God's made us a new person in him. We're seated in the heavenlies with Christ. We've learned that from this um, study in Ephesians as well. Um. And I don't think it's false humility um, either. He really thinks that the only reason he breathes and has an existence still is the grace of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. That's a pretty secure place to be. Absolutely. Yeah, so, I, I, so I'm, as a lot of people probably know, I, I did worship ministry for seven years, and there was a song that we would sing often called, My Worth is Not in What I Own. And it feels like the very last verse of that song, it says, Two wonders here that I confess— the same time, my worth 
and my unworthiness. But yeah. my value is fixed and my ransom is paid at the cross. And it seems like Paul, he gets that. Yeah, he understands he does. it. And he's on mission with it too. Yeah, I've always, you know, you've heard me pray with our staff and just assert that we're created in the image of God, we're an adopted child of God, and we're made new in Christ. And those three things inform our identity. Yeah. And if we can work out of that, then that's significant. Um, hey, just to transition out of that idea, Dave. One of the reasons I think it's important to understand identity in this letter is that identity informs mission, hmm. not the other way around. Everything about what Paul does is rooted in what Jesus has done on his behalf. Now, therefore, because of who you are now, Paul, because of who you are now, Ephesian church, now go and be the church. Yeah. And now go and in when we get to chapters four, five, and six, now go and obey and do these commands. Yeah. But he seems very intent on, um, super intentional on making sure we identi- uh, we understand our identity um, and that our mission, and for Paul, the mission to preach the gospel was rooted in who Jesus is and what he's done for him. Yeah, that's so, really good. Hey, real quick, yeah. I know if you're reading ESV, you see the top of this section, chapter three, it says the mystery of the gospel revealed. And a couple times the, the phrase mystery is is brought in uh, in these verses. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and uh, where did where did Paul get his insight in no, this good. mystery? Um, yeah, you know, um, there's there's a, some phrases that are used. There are other uh, phrases where the word, or passages where the word mystery is used, the concept um, in the scriptures. We'll probably look at a few of those on Sunday just in brief. But in Colossians, we're reminded that one of the mysteries is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Uh, that, that we've become the dwelling place of God's Spirit. Um, Christ and his bride in Ephesians 5 in this letter, um, the word mystery is used in that context. Um, the idea of some of the specific details of the end times, the word mystery is used there as well. But I think one of the mysteries that um, that I have a hard time understanding is where did Paul get all this insight? Yeah. You know? And it says here that the mystery was revealed um, to him by revelation. It was revealed to him. Um, He goes on to say in verse 5 of chapter 3, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And so some of the things we're learning here from Paul, some of the mysteries are unpacked as we understand Jesus um, being um, in his, uh, his life, death, resurrection, his ascension, as we unpack the Old Testament in light of who Jesus is. And so some of it we understand there. We also understand that in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that all Scripture is breathed out by God. We know that, um, that Peter talks about... Um, that the writers, they, they wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so revelation comes from God. Yep. We, we know that. Um, we also know that in Galatians 1, and we're not going to go into a lot of detail here, Dave, but in Galatians 1, 11 to 20, Acts 26, 12 to 20, Paul gives us a little bit of insight on where he was and what he was doing after his conversion and after he met Jesus and how he received his personal commission. And he spent some time in Arabia, Damascus, 
And I've wondered at times if there was just some unique insight and communion that he had with Jesus where God made some things really clear to him. So that when he began to write... Seems that way. Yeah, it really does. So those would be some cross-references you could look at. But what we do know is that God in his sovereign good pleasure has revealed um, this mystery um, to Paul, and is, he's helping the Ephesians understand what it is. Yeah, that's so, so awesome. And it, it, I know we're going to talk about it more on Sunday. seems like uh, verse 6 is a huge hinge on that. He literally tells really them is. what the mystery is. And I know yeah. something that stuck out to me, this whole uh, study of Ephesians, is just the unity of the body of Christ and how uh, the most important thing about anybody that we could see is who they are in Christ. Yeah. Is Christ indwelling in them. That's right. And as a church, how, I mean, Pope talked about this last week, taking two different peoples and creating it within it a whole new people where Christ is the center. And I know that that's what verse six is talking about in a lot of ways too. Like this is the mystery. That's now that we're It's amazing. I think sometimes we've confused. We thought the mystery is that the gospel went to the Gentiles. Well, that was promised. Um, in some way, even in in the, in the covenant that he made with Abraham in Genesis three, but the mystery is not necessarily the gospel went to the Gentiles. It's that the Gentiles and Jews are this one same. new humanity, yeah, and now the same. And Dave, I think also what's amazing about God and how He works this out is um, He doesn't um, strip us of our unique distinctives and ethnicities. Um, our differences, the poor, the rich, those are all things that are true of us based on where we were born, um, how we grew up, different things like that. But the, some of the mystery is that he brings the differences together yeah. and they learn to bear with one another yeah. Yeah. and point each other to Jesus. Yeah. Hey, real quick, so, I'm, I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot here. Okay. Um, on Sunday, we're teaching this in a room of 1,200 people with microphones, sound, lights, uh, we often talk in our Monday morning meeting about what that room could have looked like. Yeah. And you made some good comments. I remember you kind of going, picture, picture it this way. Oh, yeah. So real quickly, do the best you can to put us maybe, I mean, we don't know for sure. Well, Garland and Michael and I and you, we've all like? talked about that. And, you know, if if they're in a, what we would understand, a smaller room than a 1,200-person room, um, that, that would be a church experience that we would understand to be more like a community group. Yeah. Um, you would have a faithful, um, converted, Messianic Jew who is still practicing some appropriate traditions that point to Jesus and understands them now. And um, so they're sitting in the room, and then you would have maybe... Um, Maybe one of your uncles, Dave, and he's he's sitting there, and he's come out of this pagan temple worship, and he um, was walking in darkness of a um, a broken sexual ethic and sin there, and um, he's walked away from that, and now he's sitting there next to the the Jew, yeah, the buttoned up, the very bu- moral, yeah. yeah. And so there was a time where that Gentile would have to have table fellowship or be in the room with them would be considered unclean. And then, you know, um, you've got a woman in the room and, and maybe um, she's understood the gospel for her and Jesus. And as the gospel manifests itself, she's realized her worth and identity and how much value she brings to the table yeah. in a Roman culture and in this Jewish context as well. And so you've got a woman there and um, 
You've got people from maybe the one hosting. The reason he's hosting is because he's wealthy. And then you've got someone sitting there who maybe from an economic perspective, they've just lost their um, income because they're no longer making idols of Artemis. <laughs> and so they're there maybe that night because they need a meal to eat. Yeah. And so it's just a kind of a sample picture, like picture the, of that the humility, going on. the patience that Paul's asking them to express to one another. Yeah. And how some are dying to ideas that they had and some right. are, it's coming alive for others. And you're going to see it come more yeah. live in chapters four and five when they're forced to get along with each other yeah. in real life. And all those commands just start to pop in new ways when you go, oh, this is what it would be like today if I had these six different demographics in my living room. Mm-hmm. And I was reading this letter and we were looking around going, okay, this is what it means to bear with one another. And to be generous with my possessions. Yeah. And how do I see Christ in them is the most important thing about That's it. That's right. That's yeah. what unifies us. Yeah. It's anyway, that's just, that's just no. a cool, cool thing to think about. Um, yeah. Well, I'm excited for this Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be I'm excited good. for us to dig into Ephesians chapter 3. I know this whole this whole series on Ephesians has just been eye-opening for me. Um, any last things, you? any final comments you want to add? Yeah. You know, let me um, let me leave us with this. And I'm uh, still processing this a little bit in my own heart um, some, but um, the, the mystery of Jew and Gentile coming together and becoming one new humanity has um, now been revealed. A mystery, um, the, the word, uh, the root origin of that, um, the, the first part of the Greek word, um, it means to shut the mouth of. And a mystery, when you and I are understanding or trying to figure one out, part of what makes it a mystery and our response to it is that where our mouth is shut because we don't have an answer. We can't explain it. And I don't know if it's safe to say this, but as a play on words, I'm wondering that as the gospel brings people together in today's New Testament church experience, if we're living the mystery, if that shuts the mouth of the world, and causes people to go speechless when they look in and they go, "There's no, explanation. I've gotten, there's no explanation. Yeah. I've got no words." And so I'm fascinated by that concept, and that the church, being the church, is one new humanity. It becomes, as Jesus talks about love, being our ultimate apologetic. Yeah, um, only God could do this in Christ. And um, I'm this, amazed by that. Know you're my disciple. That's right. That you, you have love, love for, one for one another. One. And it, I walk away going amazed. I'm speechless. I there's a part of me that wants to worship when I think about that. Um, I don't even know what words I would use, yeah. but God, you are unbelievable. You're awesome yeah. that that you could pull this off, and uh, you're the only one worthy of praise and glory, which is where all this is going. I love it. The glory of God. And so, Dave, it's been good. Thanks, man. We'll appreciate y'all listening and we'll see you next we'll listen we'll, we'll I guess we'll talk to you next time. Yeah. They don't see us. That's right. We'll talk to you next time on Sermon Notes. All right. Great Thanks, week. Dave.